Episode 89, Mr. Klopp, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Sounds like you're uh, humming the Star Wars theme for some no, reason. Oh, no, that would be the uh, uh, Here Comes the Bride theme. Here Comes the Bride. Well, we will talk about that in two seconds, but obviously okay. we have to go through our normal routine. Yeah. Episode 89. Oh, Is yeah. there a Browns person you think of with the Jersey 89? Got to be Gerald McNeil, the Ice Cube. Oh, the Ice Cube. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I did research on this, of course. I did a lot of research for this this episode, by the way. Usually I kind of just run with the seat of my pants and you do all the work, but I actually did did some work today. Oh. Milt Morin was considered the best football player to wear 89 for the Browns. He was a tight end. He came from the University of Massachusetts. He has the second most receptions behind Ozzie Newsom as a tight end, which I didn't wow. even know. And he's actually in the College Football Hall of Fame. Got inducted in 2010, and uh, he played at the University of Massachusetts. So there you go. Had no, no idea. Boring. No, I've never even when heard When did he play? Uh, he was in the, uh, he was in the uh, 60s. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Good player. Interesting. Okay. Well, you mentioned it. Yes, this is a it's a pretty big week for uh, the Dorsnick households and the herb households and the host of others as we we're uh, getting together for the nuptials of myself and Eowyn uh, coming up very soon to the end of the week. So, Ted, as you know, and I think you can go back to when you were married, the wedding necessarily. And I'm not trying to be mean or say anything funny or anything like that. As you know, the wedding is not necessarily anything really about the man. It is no. more about the woman. That's with true. How they look and everything that's put together. Let's be honest. You and I, we can get together and get ourselves ready and look good in what? Six minutes, maybe seven. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So the amount of work that anyone has to go through to get herself prepared for Saturday is it's a lot. And I've made this comment before. It is, I think, harder to be a woman sometimes than a man. There's there's no doubt about that. Sure. So, so we're excited. It should be fun. I mean, we're looking for a nice weather. And luckily, the cases of COVID are not going to be an issue like it has in the past and all this. So we're we're very excited. It should be fun. It should so, be fun. so so how many times has this wedding been rescheduled? Let's uh let's go through this. When was the first uh, time that you were going to get married? The first time was five years ago. Five years ago. So Just you after we got engaged. In. Yeah. Okay. And then we rescheduled it the following year. At least now, should I ask years. why you rescheduled it? or is that? Yeah, not? it was because of the whole situation with COVID and my sister having the ability to be there. That's basically what it came down to. She didn't feel comfortable flying and all that, which I completely understand with young kids. Sure. So um, we rescheduled it again and then we canceled it again. And then we ended up with the date we have now. So, so this yeah, is th this number is th three. Third time. Yes. Third time. Third okay. time's a charm. That's what they say. Okay. All right. Well, the next time we do a podcast, you'll be a married man. Yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll be just like That's you. I'm changed man. Yeah. Changed. Yes. Um, yeah. I imagine I'll be heavier because I'm <laughs> in the honeymoon. And Speaking the of the honeymoon, where are you going? We're going to the Grand Rapids area. We're going to go to Grand Rapids. Let's try that again. Grand Rapids. 
Yep. Traverse City and Mackinac Island, and then also Detroit. So okay. we're going to take in the Michigan scene. That'll probably be my out and about, highlighting some different places. And we're going to go to some wineries, play some golf, go to a couple of breweries, just be fun. And then we're looking to do something in the spring of 2023 with uh, okay. A1 So it'll be, okay. yeah, it'll be cool. I have not spent, I mean, the last time, this is going to bring back memories for you. The last time I've spent substantial time in Michigan is when I was riding a bus with Ashton University for oh, basketball. Boy. Yes. Oh. You remember those trips? Oh, yeah. Yep. I don't think anybody could remember more of the liners that we did for radio than the gentleman I'm on here with right now. <laughs> I think you blindly could read the PSAs that we had to do before and after the game. For This Ashton sports radio. broadcast is made possible with a grant provided by King Lane's. 1407 Claremont Avenue by Crest Cleaners Drive-Thru, located at the corner of Claremont Avenue and Crestview Drive, offering you all types of dry cleaning and shirt laundry, plus free pickup and delivery. Crest Cleaners. I could go on, but... It's outstanding. Yeah. The funny part is some of those places are still there. Larry Heiner, when I uh, would speak to him periodically, I would... uh, launch into those he said he'd say clop i can't believe you remember that crap <laughs> katie pizza was another one that i remembered i remember katie, katie pizza. pizza oh yes the big so katie funny. Pizza. yeah yeah oh those were the days ah oh. well uh all right so we got nuptials coming up and uh i don't know if there's anything that can top that aside from the ceremony because obviously that's the big thing what are you looking forward to most uh well i'll be honest having a bunch of people together that i have not seen in a long time i mean obviously i have the pleasure of seeing you obviously in person and then every couple weeks but like family i have not seen my sister in over two years Uh uh-huh there's other family that aowen has that we've not seen for a long time and it'll just be nice that's the probably the number one thing i'm looking forward to spending time with with my sister and her husband or two kids we're going to do some stuff together before the wedding and then obviously a couple of days afterward and all that. So I would say that's number one. And then a lot of other friends that I have not seen for a while either. So it should be, it should be cool. Yeah. It should be cool. So, and oh, awesome. just relax. You know what I mean? I yep. just, we did everything. We're very detail oriented and everything's all set and we just have to show up and do our thing. Well, that's at least me. Has and a little bit more to do, so. and uh, if I, uh, if I recall correctly from a conversation we had earlier in the week, um, you shouldn't run into any of the uh, problems that I ran into because you don't have any kind of a wedding party to be late. No, we, we've we've kind of taken that out of the mix. Obviously, for a second wedding for both of us, we just opted to, you know, obviously mm-hmm. just have ourselves and close family, stuff like that. But no, there will not be any concerns of anyone being late in a wedding party. That obviously will always be one of your finest memories, Ted. So minutes away. I was minutes away as Father Phil Rocco Minutes away for being the best man. Isn't it coincidental, too, that Father Phil Rocco is marrying us? Yes. And that was who married you. That is really uh, funny. I think you should remind him of that when you're in the sacristy and see see if he recalls that. I certainly will. No, you guys will have to spend some time with him. Yeah. Great stuff. All right. Well, that's... uh, that's obviously uh, 
easily the most exciting thing coming up this week. But coming up on this week's show, we're going to, we will visit with a musician, an RN, and a foodie who brews his own beer. Now, this is all the same guy. Ben Marthy is his name. We're going to talk to him. Cleveland historian John Grabowski is also here to talk about what was not one of Cleveland's greatest times. And I don't mean that when the river caught on fire. We'll explain. Sports historian Dusty Sloan also going to join us to talk about an all-time Indians great. We have an overachiever who has eaten his way into the record book. We have good news about two twin moms who have taken their similarities to the next level. We're going to explain that. Ken has mentioned he's going to be out and about again. And in Klopp's Clips, news of a Mother's Day gift that takes an unexpected turn. That and more coming up. And now, a woman's perspective. What should you give a man who has everything? A woman to show him how to work it. This has been A Woman's Perspective. Ken, time for overachievers now. And despite the achievements you will have this coming weekend, still not on the list. However, a Wisconsin man is on the list. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records now. 68-year-old Donald Gorski has eaten a Big Mac every day of his life for the last 50 years. <laughs> he celebrated that anniversary last week. He owns the record for the most Big Macs eaten in a lifetime with more than 32,000. 32,000 Big Macs. Is standard order? A Coke with a Big Mac and usually no fries. Don says he expects to eat Big Macs for the rest of his life. He keeps each burger carton and the receipt for proof of the achievement. Oh, boy, this is uh, th- there's a lot to talk about here. But obviously, we're limited on time with our podcast. 32,000 gonna... Big Macs. I'm going to go out on a limb, Ken. I'm going to guess that this gentleman, since we're talking about marriage, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess he's single. <laughs> just, just a thought. I'm just impressed. He's saving the carton and the receipt. That's really impressive. What do you think? Single? That's a good possibility. I, I just don't see. I 50 years of McDonald's every day. Doesn't. <laughs> sound like a recipe that a a wife would would go along with but that's just me now the world record for the farthest flight of a paper aircraft was recently broken in south korea a team of three people crafted a paper airplane that flew more than 252 feet wow i don't know about you the paper airplanes i make uh lucky if they go two feet previous record for the uh, farthest flight of a paper aircraft was 226 feet, 10 inches. So this oh shattered that record. That's impressive. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Now, the thing is, I must say, I, I have a better chance of completing the first item, the Big Mac challenge, <laughs> than I do the paper airplane. I just don't know if I'd want to do that, though. I, yeah. I, I'm good. I, I don't want to love Big, Mac Big Macs. Day. 
mean, maybe if it's like an apple or something, that's different. But yeah, boy, what are you having today? Uh, Big Mac and a Coke. Yeah, And again, what what are you having tomorrow? Big Mac and a Coke. Does he get a discount? You think? I mean, is there? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. The the Don Gorski discount. I don't know. Those are this week's overachievers. Blah blah blah. 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 Today's guest is originally from Apple Creek, Ohio, and attended Baldwin Wallace University. He has been a musician since the age of 14 and was the lead singer for a band called Rosella that opened for Creed at Blossom Music Center. He is now part of a band called Van Arlo that is performing all throughout Northeast Ohio. Our guest is a registered nurse first assistant at the Cleveland Clinic and is a foodie who creates all kinds of food dishes as well as his own beer, which is my favorite. Let's talk with the multi-talented Ben Marthy. Ben, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to come on. This is really cool. Well, Ben, we have a lot of things we want to talk about with you, but we're going to first talk about your music. You're currently, as we mentioned in the beginning, playing with a band called Van Arlo. Talk about the band and talk about a little bit about your music background. Yeah, um, so it's really um, me and a good friend of mine, Jesse Hernandez. We kind of started this uh, project a couple years ago. Um, It all started when uh, basically it all goes back to uh, when my wife and I's 10th year anniversary was coming up. And I was trying to think of something special to do. And so I had a song that I had written for our wedding. And I wanted to do I wanted to do it like uh, official and record it. So I reached out to my my good friend, Jesse, who also plays the cello. He was uh, in the Baldwin Wallace Orchestra. Um, and. I we I, I lined up a, a like a video sort of shoot recording session and we did it together and. It went great. And ever since then, we were kind of like, hey, we should do this more often. So we started playing together, getting some songs together. We do a lot of you know covers and stuff, and we also do our own original music. So it kind of just took off from there. It was all very sort of natural. And we had been playing uh, together since since meeting in, at Baldwin Wallace, you know, for years, writing and recording together, and and doing various projects together. We never really have been in a what you'd call a like a band together, but we've always played music with one another. So it kind of just took off from there and it's been sort of organically happening since then. Now you mentioned this uh, 10th anniversary and the recording with your wife, I guess Fox eight did an interview with you about this. Tell, tell us about this anniversary and, and you kind of touched on it, but uh, tell us about this unique way that you celebrated. Well, yeah, I was kind of, you know, searching for something to do. And since it was our 10th year anniversary, I wanted to, I wanted to make it special. And the only way I know how to do that is through music. So, uh, as I said, I recorded this song that I actually sang for our wedding on our wedding day. Um, mm-hmm. And I sent it in to Fox on, cause they have a morning music program. And I thought, Hey, maybe if they played it on air for our, our uh, wedding anniversary, and then it would be something really cool and special, but um, it actually, it, like they made a whole news story out of it and it ended up be- being a lot, it got into uh, like the press a little more than I thought it would. 
and uh, it ended up being like super special. And what they did uh, to help us celebrate was so nice. Now, Ben, I, I do have a follow-up question here. I know Ken has another question, but I have a follow-up question. Uh, as, as our listeners know, and I'm guessing you know, uh, Ken is getting married at the end of the month. and I do so, know that, yeah. Yeah. So my question is actually for both of you. Ken, uh, uh, Ben says he sang a song at his wedding. Ken, will you be singing any songs at your wedding outside <laughs> of what's happening in church? And have you enlisted Ben to assist you if that's a yes? Well, this is an easy answer for you because I'm not going to certainly embarrass myself too bad. The best thing I can do to celebrate my wedding is drink a beer. And Ben <laughs> certainly knows that. So <laughs> there will be no singing, just drinking. That's okay. kind of where we're at. Okay. Well, that'll hey, lead us, to, <laughs> that'll lead us into our next sound, question. Right? I mean, oh, that's awesome talking about beer and food and all that stuff. Ben, I know you have a passion for cooking as well as brewing your own beer. Can you talk about some of the food you create? I know you're a huge foodie. We, I follow you on Instagram. All the stuff you have on there, I just want to eat immediately. But talk about some of the food you've created in the past as well as what types of beers you brew. Yeah, um, well, I've been involved with food in some aspect or another throughout my whole life. You know, as with many people, family events and gatherings, there's always food around the table. And my family's always kind of grown up cooking for the, for ourselves. And my parents both grew up on farms and stuff. So I've been around food my entire life. And so it's something that I've always found inspiring. And I've always found it's, it's, you know, there are people who make their careers out of food art, like making beautiful pictures and forms of art with just food I think that is amazing so that's something that's always I've always felt inspired by and so uh, who doesn't like to eat and I like to I guess play with my food a little bit I like to get creative on a plate and make it look all fancy huh um I like to I got recently got one of these uh one of those Kamado Joe uh green egg type ceramic grills oh cool and so that is really kind of catapulted me into a whole nother world that I've, I've not previously had much experience with with like barbecue and uh open fire cooking and so that's what i've been doing a lot of lately i do a lot of like stuff just on that it's amazing how how versatile that thing is and um it's a way to let me kind of have an outlet for my creativity when i'm not you know actively doing music and recording or something like that. I, I, I like to put my sort of creative energy into making food for people. I have a, uh, a an item at my house that uh, allows me to uh, be creative with food and cuts down time and things like that. It's a microwave. I don't know if that's, uh, <laughs> that's what I use. But anyhow. I've never seen anyone hey, use I, a, microwave a microwave as well as Ted. He yeah. is amazing with that microwave. By yeah. the way, here's a little, uh, little, little tip for you. This user tip. Uh, don't put metal in the microwave. Just oh uh, <laughs> yeah, that's bad news. Put that out there. Hey, Anyhow, you cook up potatoes fast. You put them in the microwave. I do that. Yeah. All the time. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Good point. So, registered nurse first assistant. I I'm guessing that's not the simplest job. Sounds like it's pretty involved. So you got that going. You got the band. Mm -hmm. You got family. Uh, how do you keep all this balanced? Oh, uh, well, it's, it's a juggle. Um, I have to say, I have to give a lot of credit to my wife. She puts up with a lot of my, my uh, energy and my hobbies and stuff that I like to do all the time. 
Um, but we always find a way to, to come together and, and uh, you know, still maintain our family unit. I have two beautiful girls, uh, 10 and seven, uh, Stella and Elon. And, uh, you know, we're all, they, the lot, one of the gigs that I did uh, in Wadsworth recently, we brought the whole family and I went up and played and the kids were there and Steph was there, my wife. Uh, so it was great. So we kind of just meld everything together and that's how we, that's how we managed to make it work. That's very cool. Well, certainly talking about the band and Van Arlo, obviously you're playing all throughout Northeast Ohio. So a bunch of different dates. Can you talk about some of the dates coming up and where people can see you perform? Yeah. So, um, the biggest one that we got coming up or the, actually the most recent one that's coming up the soonest is on June 17th. We're playing at this awesome place, um, downtown called negative space. It's a like sort of community art gallery and they'd have this sort of concert series called third Fridays, which is just third Friday of every month. They host like, uh, uh some musicians, uh, for a benefit that goes towards, uh, Cleveland's, uh, a women's shelter in awesome. the area. So um, the show that I'm doing on June 17th is one of those. And I'm really excited about it because we're um, we're going to be playing some of our original music and and probably a couple covers. Who knows? Um, So we're doing that on June 17th. And then we're also going to be up. We made our way up into Sandusky this year. We're going to be playing at the Bait House Brewery actually the next day. So I think I believe that's Father's Day weekend. So we're going to be kind of busy on Father's Day weekend, but nothing going on Sunday so we can relax, hopefully. Yeah, and then we we play. We got um, Medina Brewing Company. We play at. We're gonna be there in July. Uh, we got some other future dates coming up at this uh, really cool place in Wadsworth called the Blue Tip Barbecue and Grill. I don't know if you've been there or heard of it yet. Um, and so yeah, we're just gonna keep keep going, playing as much as we can. Um, and hopefully there's a, a brew festival, a beer festival coming up at the end of the summer that we'll be able to get into as well. Um, so yeah, we, we're just trying to get out there as much as possible and do our thing. So the uh, you talked about upcoming performances. I know the band has three songs on Spotify, Play to Win, Severed, and Too Far Away. Are there yeah. others that are coming up, uh, music projects or music that you're uh, working on getting out there? Absolutely. We're always, we're always working on stuff. And um, the cool thing is through, I guess, one good thing that sort of come out of COVID is as it's, it's enabled us to kind of use technology to help us, even though sometimes when we can't always be together, which is also good for people like me who are always busy doing something like we can, I can share, uh, I can record some songs at home and I can send them over to Jesse and we can swap files back and forth. And so we're always continually sort of working on our music and, and something, you know, the next song, uh, we have a couple songs that we haven't recorded that we're planning on playing on uh, June 17th at the Negative Space uh, Benefit Show. So yeah, we're always we're always working on stuff. That's outstanding. Well, Ben, uh, obviously, if people want to learn more about yourself, the amazing food you have, as well as Van Arlo, where can they find out more information about you? Yeah, well, um, vanarlo.com, V-A-N-A-R-L-O.com. That's where the we host all of our uh, information, uh, videos and songs and links to everything, all of our social medias. You can find us there. You can find me on Instagram if you want to see some of the food and stuff that I make uh, at uh, my last name, M-A-R-T-H-E-Y underscore B. 
Um, and we're also, you know, Van Arlo's on Facebook and Instagram, uh, YouTube, all the usual places. Um, and our music as well. Anywhere you can stream music, you can find, you can type in our, our band name and a song and we'll pop up. Been outstanding information. And I failed to ask this question as well. You've brewed some of the best beer that I've ever had. Do you have any, any beers coming up that you're brewing or anything like that? Or have you kind of put that to side for a second? It's, it, it has taken a, a, a back burner in the last several months, mostly because I have been in school finishing a bachelor's degree. Um, so that's taken up a lot of my sort of spare time, um, of recent months. So I ha I don't have anything in the works right now. I have to admit, I do somehow, I do still have some homebrew that I, you know, I've kind of been sitting on for a while. I think, I think the one, one we shared that one night was, a was a stout that I had made. I think I oh, might have one more of those left. That actually turned out pretty good. That was amazing. That was great stuff. And then you made a <laughs> seltzer one time for a New Year's Eve party. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. That was really fun. Well, Ben, thank you so much for the time. We've had the opportunity to listen to Van Arlo. They're great. Please check them out on certainly vanarlo.com as well as Spotify and all the different uh, opportunities you have to listen to music. Ben, we really appreciate the time and uh, best of luck this summer and in the future. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Ken. I, I, this is a great opportunity. Thanks so much. Ted, you can really buy this. I know it's a segment you enjoy. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that today, this week, moving into this podcast, I did probably more research than I've done in a while. So I'll just be perfectly honest. Today's You Can Really Buy This is a list that I found that came out in 2021 of 100 of the most expensive pieces of sports memorabilia. Now, the part that I wanted to combine this with is that, all right, what do we, what can we do? That's Cleveland themed. Well, three of the items are Cleveland themed and are in the top 100. And I thought we can go over those. Okay. You might, I don't know, we could do the guesting game here, but I, I this might be tough. So we might just have to read them here. So the first one is number 97. It's Jim Brown's jersey from 1962 to 63. This is valued at $80,000. As many of you know, Brown was a legendary running back, considered by many one of the best ever, and played for the Browns from 1957 to 1965. Did you ever think a jersey would be worth $80,000? Isn't that insane? Somebody paid That's, for that. Uh, not me. No. No, I'm right there with you. Coming at number 21, another Cleveland piece of memorabilia, Shoeless Joe Jackson's 1911 bat when he played for the... I think at the time it wasn't even the Indies. Others the Cleveland Spiders, if I'm not mistaken. Spiders, okay. So it was. It's worth, and someone paid nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars for this bat. As many people know, Jackson had a lifetime average of three fifty six, and wore a Cleveland jersey from nineteen ten to nineteen fifteen. Huh. So he's super famous because of that whole Black Sox thing, but I never yeah. thought that his bat, and he was a very good hitter, but I never thought his bat would be worth. Nine hundred sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. And then what do you? I mean, what? Where do you put this? Do you display I, it? <laughs> I, you better have that'd insurance. be concerned. Better have insurance. Better have insurance is right. Yeah, I need some insurance for a bat. Uh, a what? A bat. Well, what? What? What bat is it? 
Shoeless Joe Jackson's 1911. Oh my God! Hey, I'd be afraid even to put that in my hands, to be honest. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a collectible, collectible or an autograph guy, so I don't know. I have some, but not, not to that extent. I have a couple yeah. baseballs that are autographed, but nothing, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just would be afraid someone would steal it. And then the, the top Cleveland item in the top 100 for sports memorabilia, most expensive. Jesse Owens, 1936 Olympic gold medal that someone paid $1.4 million for. Wow. Owens, of course, won four gold medals at the Games, and he went to East Tech along with Ohio State. That is that is neat. The one thing I will say about this, and I know, you know, certainly people like to have possessions. Shouldn't that be like in a museum or something? I was just thinking that. I, exactly. I don't why I don't know why I'd want to hang on to this because I'm the only one that could look at it. I don't I, know. I'm gonna guess that I, I would guess his family at some point sold it because they probably yeah. needed money. Yeah, um, I think that's correct. And from there, you know, it bounces around. That's just nuts. So, so I know you're gonna ask, those are the top Cleveland things. I know you're gonna ask the other items that are in the top three. So hey Ken, what are the other items in the top three? That I can tell you. Oh good. Number three is a Babe Ruth jersey from 1920. Oh. That was somebody paid four point two million dollars for that. For a jersey. Uh, for a jersey. And if that wasn't enough for you, someone paid five point six four million for item number two for a jersey from nineteen twenty eight to nineteen thirty that Ruth wore. And people think that's worth a little bit more because the Yankees won the World Series in 1928. And the top item, which, by the way, if I said, Ted, name the top item, I can give you 1,000 guesses and you would never get. Yeah, I I don't know. This is a sports it's the original item? Yeah. How? Uh, tell me how old it is. Uh, it's old. Uh, I mean, it's, okay, it's I have no old. idea. It's the original Olympic Games manifesto. It's the vision that Pierre Coubertin put together for the modern day Olympics, which dates back to, I mean, thousands of years ago. Let's be honest. Wow. 8.6 million somebody paid for that. Once again, why it's not in a museum is beyond me. Yeah. Well, at this point, I'm guessing it's not in a museum because the guy paid eight million dollars. What museum right. is going to pay eight eight million dollars to to display it? And the part I guess you could do, and maybe, and once again, I'm not in this lane of financial situation, but you could always buy it and then give it to the you know museum to use. You could do right. that. You right. See, I've seen that with different collections. I know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does that with some different items that they have. Sure. All the but Ted, I, I thought that'd be very interesting to go over today. Some of the t- most expensive pieces of sportsman Liberia, and three of them are completely so, very good stuff. Well, if you got your cash, bankroll a big, and you can get some of these great items. But Ted, as you know, you can really buy. Miss Speak of the Week, former President George W. Bush was speaking at his presidential center in Dallas last week and talked about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And some suggest he made a Freudian slip. Listen here. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia 
and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting slip, considering some of Bush's critics say he did exactly what he said in that clip in Iraq several years ago. Of course, he did correct himself. So, this is kind of interesting that he would uh, slip in that manner. Yep. So... That is your misspeak of the week. Cleveland! This is for you! Time for another Cleveland sports history lesson. And in order to uh, properly uh, teach us, we've brought in our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And we're going to, I guess we should do this one uh, in a speedy manner because. Today, we're talking about a pretty fast former Cleveland Indian, May 31st, 1967, number seven, born in East Chicago, Indiana, Kenny Lofton, Dusty. uh, Kenny Lofton enjoyed a ton of success with the Indians. He played a few other places, not that he struggled there, but certainly most the, the majority of his success came in Cleveland. It most certainly did. And this is one of my favorite subjects because my wife, Mandy's favorite player is in fact, Kenny Lofton. So uh, this will be a very good episode. We talk about Kenny Lofton and it's interesting when you look at his numbers and the fact that he didn't get many votes for the hall of fame and you look at his numbers and who they're comparable to, they're very comparable to one Tim Raines who did make the hall of fame. And when you look at Kenny Lofton, you go down the list, he led the league in steals five years in a row, six all-star appearances in a row, all the postseasons he was with the Indians, Atlanta, and so on and so forth. It, it just makes you wonder with a career 299 batting average why he isn't in the Hall of Fame. And the only thing I can think of is it's the number of teams he played for, but you could say the same thing for Tim Raines. Yeah, you certainly could. And I, that's, and I guess that's a great question because I, I don't understand that either. Um, you know, certainly – maybe didn't win the world championship, but, but certainly I think one of those guys that kind of changed the way the game was played. You now the inter- interesting part about Kenny Loft and Dusty, and you can make a comment about this. He came out of Arizona and I, how good of an athlete are you that you're basically playing basketball and baseball and they end up playing, you know, on the final four team for the uh, Arizona Wildcats where he was a backup to Steve Kerr. I mean, how crazy is that? That is crazy. And, and, and back in the day, I mean, we're talking about the late 80s when he was in college. You had the Bo Jacksons and the Deion Sanders and, and the Frank Thomases who were playing two different sports. So it's not a surprise that Kenny could de- do it either. But my goodness, the numbers that he put up and he was still playing. A lot of people forget his third stint as an Indian was in his age 40 year in 2007 with the Indians. He came back in a trade from Texas. But you look at just these statistics and 2,400 career hits, 622 stolen bases, his OPS plus for his career was above the league average, and he was always above the league average. So a fantastic athlete, by all rights, a a very good clubhouse person, great teammate, and it just boggles the mind why he hasn't gotten more recognition over time. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is uh, his locker was next to number eight's. And mm. I think, uh, you know, I, I, 
I didn't have any personal dealings with Kenny, so I can't say uh, he was a good guy. He was a bad guy, but I, I, I'm not saying anything that I haven't heard any other media members say in that, you know, uh, it's tough to, tough to be perceived as a nice guy. If you've got a guy like that in the locker next to you, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, Kenny Lofton, I think, uh, I don't think there's anybody in Cleveland that would uh, argue that he should should not be in the Hall of Fame. I think we're all in agreement that he should be, and maybe he will be someday. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully so. All right, Dusty. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Cleveland! This is for you! Good news, Ken. A couple weeks ago, a man made headlines. You may recall Palm Beach, Florida was the area where he landed an airplane, even though he had no flying experience because the pilot of the plane passed out. Do you recall hearing about this? I do remember hearing about this. That's Darren Darren Harrison received instructions over the radio and followed them to a successful landing of the Cessna that he was in. Now, It turns out that the pilot, 64-year-old Kenneth Allen, suffered a torn aorta, which caused him to pass out. Holy cow. When they landed, he was taken to the hospital where he underwent nine hours of surgery for what typically is a catastrophic event. He is now doing remarkably well. He's been discharged from the hospital and is back at home. Wow. How many miracles can we have in, in one situation here? I don't know. The guy I passes there's out. There's a passenger. Movie yeah. Passenger lands a plane and the guy recovers from a torn aorta. We got that. We also have identical twin sisters, Jill Dustiana and Aaron Cheplak uh, now have more than just a birthday in common. Both gave birth to sons at the same hospital on May 5th, babies Oliver and Silas both weighed seven pounds, three ounces, and measured 20 inches at birth. <laughs> Born from identical twin moms. Wow, that's crazy. How about that? That's, uh, they should go play the lottery immediately. Yep. Well, there you go. Some good news. Ted, we are out and about once again. In a combination of obviously entertainment, feeding my large belly with <laughs> beer along with food. But uh, also out and about for some wedding things. But uh-huh. one place that I wanted to bring up, and a lot of the places are the same, so I'm not going to certainly go through that with you. It's, you know. You could probably name them Buckeye Beer Engine, you know, the whole uh, whole nine yards. Well, there's a place in Lakewood that I wanted to promote because the people there were super nice. When's the last time you bought a cigar? Ken, I don't think I've ever bought a cigar. You've never bought a cigar. Well, I if don't you're believe going so. to buy a cigar, I have the place for you. Is it Cigar Cigar? Cigar Cigar is a great place, but the place we went to is called Robusto and Briar, and it's okay. in Lakewood. It's on Riverside Drive. It's in uh, right near uh, Simone's Beverage. Why would okay. I? Why would I know that, Ted? I don't know. Maybe I've been there before. Maybe 
it is a smoking lounge. So if you want to try the cigar and smoke it there, you could do the whole nine yards. We just went there because we wanted to kind of get a couple cigars for some of our folks after the wedding and all that. And the people were super nice. And by the way, most times when you think about cigars, oh, that you just, oh, well, there's this or that. I think he had thousands of cigars in that place. Really? It was unbelievable. Asked us what we liked, what our tastes were. Got these different cigars. I tried one on Friday. Very cool. So if you're looking for cigars, I highly re- recommend Robusto and Briar on Riverside Drive in Detroit. Now, did also- Aowen have a cigar? She did. Really? Okay. Yep. She did. We, uh, I felt like I was tailgating on Mons uh, Friday night. We uh, set up a couple lawn chairs right in the front of our house, have some wine and we're smoking cigar and watch the six deer eat our plants. It was great. We had a really nice time. It was wonderful. Okay. It was good. Uh, I also went to uh, earlier that week, Panini's in Westlake. I was at Danny's Deli. Spent some time with you. We, I think we took in Subway this week. The one in Superior, I think is where we were at. Also another hats off to another local place. Ace Hardware and Rocky River had a couple of things I needed to get fixed and they, they helped me out as well. So, and then well, I have Ace a shout out. Place. I have a shout out. One person contacted me, asked for a shout out. Colin Forgotch. Mm, yeah. Time soon. He wanted a shout out. And so I'm doing it for him. He listens to, he's listened to all our episodes and appreciate that. And I think at some point in time, we'll figure out a way for him to be involved with something here, but shout Thank out to Colin. him. But What's that? I said, Thank you, Colin. Absolutely. Nice young man. And he's finishing school. He's a lacrosse player and he likes Cleveland sports. I think he knows more than you and I about Cleveland sports. So maybe that wouldn't be hard. (laughs) Ted, I was out and about. I'm going to throw it to you. Did you have any experiences of being out and about in the last week? Ken, we went uh, out and about to uh, lacrosse. Nice. Uh, Oh, you're doing lacrosse. I didn't know you were doing lacrosse. Really? Nice. Well, lacrosse is every Wednesday. Oh, we got okay. lacrosse. We did uh, golf. Baseball. Where are you doing golf at? Where's golf? Are you Washington uh, Park? Uh, the place in Newburgh Heights, the Metro Park. Yeah, uh, Washington Park. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. That's a great First place. Tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are awesome there. Yeah, that's cool. It's a great program. Um, uh, golf, uh, baseball. Got baseball. Uh, first game uh, this week. Oh, nice. For everybody. Nice. And a uh, little hockey practice. Oh, very nice. Oh, yeah. We got it all. And <laughs> uh, You guys got all the sports covered. You just oh, need yeah. to do like track. Maybe you yes. can do track, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, track is what we do at home when we're trying to keep track of the kids. No, I understand. That. Yeah. yeah. I, I go through that myself. So, you know. so our on about, let's see. We enjoyed the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I filled my belly with the ultimate Oreo cheesecake. That was oh. great. Yep. My wife had the pineapple upside down cheesecake, I believe. And we had some regular entrees, too. But of course, yes. talk about the cheesecake. Yeah. Um, we went to McDonald's and we went to Burger King. Those. Oh, that's outstanding. <laughs> Are you trying to go on the string of Big Macs in a row? I, 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 I should. I don't know. Or the, did you have the Whaler? Is that what you had? Oh, I didn't have the Whaler. Burger King. I have not been to Burger King forever. Oh my gosh. It's got to be yeah. such a long time. Yeah. All right. Well, there we are. 
Ken and I, it's a little little different depending on the age of the kids when you are out and about. It's time for another Cleveland history. And that means only one thing. We're joined by John Grabowski. John, we've talked about many different things the past couple of weeks and certainly one that I think is going to be very eye-opening for many different people because probably they didn't know this is that at one point in time, Cleveland defaulted on a big loan back in 1978. Can you take us through the timeline of that and how this whole thing happened? Oh my gosh. Well, the, the timeline of Cleveland's fiscal default really begins, I would say, with the deindustrialization of, of the city and its shrinking population it began to shrink in the 1960s and in the 1970s, I think Cleveland had the biggest population drop ever. And uh, the, the issue was that the city had to keep up city services. And the first mayor to really confront this issue was Ralph J. Perk. And, and Perk was looking at a city that was living beyond its means. And he managed, managed to get major loans in. And he also managed to regionalize some branches of the city, the water department, uh, for instance, the sewer department. Uh, and he raised some money out of that. But uh, by the time he was replaced by Dennis Kucinich, the city was was on, on the edge. It owed a great deal of money. Uh, I think I, the number I have here is like there were $50 million worth of bonds floating around at one point that, that were issued. And uh, so that gets into Dennis Kucinich and his, his attempt to really make Cleveland a more progressive city, if you want to use that term and to fight off the business interests and continue what uh, Tom L. Johnson did, which was the municipalization of the city. And one of the battles that Dennis was fighting was that CEI was trying to, uh, wanted to buy Muni Light and, uh, and, and Dennis wouldn't let Muni Light go. But at the same time, Dennis had basically, I think $15.5 million of bonds coming due. And uh, they had to come up with a plan to show some way that they would pay off the bonds and there were a number of banks that, that held these bonds. And, uh, and one of the banks decided that that wasn't a sufficient plan. And, and they, called, they called the loan, if you will, yeah. and the city couldn't pay it. And that was Cleveland Trust. And, and so the urban story is that Cleveland Trust did this because it was part of the establishment that was trying to get the municipal, municipalization, if you will, of, of, of Muni Light. And the Dennis mm -hmm. had stood in the way. Now you can you can read it one way or you can read another. Nevertheless, the city could not pay this, and it was the first city to go into fiscal default since the Great Depression. Mm. Okay, so this comes this comes on, and I hate to say this because I'm a proud Clevelander, but this comes on a whole series of, of negative events. Mm -hmm. The one is the 1969 fire on the river, which was not the greatest fire. Another one is Ralph Perk opening a welding convention at the convention center, I believe in 1971 or 72. He's cutting a metal ribbon with an oxacetylene torch and a spark gets into his hair and there's a flame coming out of his head. There's a photograph taken. Oh. It almost looks Pentecostal, if you will. Uh, he's, he's basically, and, and that goes worldwide. Uh, and, and so, and then you have the night, you know, the, uh, late evening talk shows, you know, basically saying, you know, the, the last prize is a first uh, trip to Cleveland or something like that. 
uh, and you had all these things going on, and and then you 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 have default, and and that's just another nail in the civic coffin. I wish I had the figures handy because the city's loss of population in 1970 was just drastic, just yeah. absolutely drastic, and uh, and you know the the competition for industrial jobs had moved out of the city to cheaper labor areas. In, in the beginning in the 1950s, and eventually it will move across country, uh, move across the ocean, and uh, and so that that you know that engenders the, you know the other thing that goes on in Kucinich. There's a recall of, uh, election for Dennis Kucinich, oh. and he manages to avoid recall by just a small number of votes. But you know he was honest and sincere in what he was trying to do. He's trying to recreate the Tom L. Johnson city, but he was doing it as Johnson was doing it at a time when the city was rising. Kucinich was doing it at a time when the city was really not only plateauing, it was dropping. <clears throat> that led to George Voinovich coming as mayor, and Voinovich put together a package that got the city out of default in uh, 1980. So uh, that's uh, essentially what, what, what happened. Yeah. Interesting. Dennis Kucinich, largely blamed, right or wrong, for the city going into default. Voinovich, largely credited for bringing the city out, and yet both went on to success on the national political level. Very interesting. Yeah, um, it is. I would add one thing, that, that the good story of default is in the Encyclopedia of Cleveland History. We referenced the, one of the books that really digs into the deals of this, uh, details of it. So if you're, a, if you're a fiscal wonk, so to speak, uh, <laughs> take a look at that book, and it will tell you all the things about the, the, the bond issues and, and the fiscal issues floating around Cleveland in the late in the 70s and in the 80s well john we appreciate the uh the time and uh thanks for uh yet another history lesson on uh, our fine city of cleveland the most trusted name in journalism clops clips here we go with uh news you Need to know, Ken, a Florida man accused of misusing the 911 system. 29-year-old Jacob Philbeck apparently made several calls to Pinellas County 911 requesting President Joe Biden be arrested. He also asked that former drug kingpin El Chapo be freed. Police were sent to his place after he called three times. They arrived while he was on the phone with 911 for a fourth time. Investigators do say alcohol may have been involved. Well, that's a surprise. Yeah. Wow. Breaking news there. The fallout continues from the failure of CNN Plus. The streaming service launched in March and shut down five weeks later after generating just 150,000 subscribers. Hundreds of employees were laid off, and a few days later... They received welcome gift packages from the network. <laughs> the packages contained gear branded with the CNN Plus logo and welcome notes that said, this is an incredible time to be part of CNN. Build relationships and take time to connect with colleagues and learn so that you make the most of your time here. CNN says the gifts were sent mistakenly. <laughs> Mother's Day. Is a great time to give mom flowers, but one Philadelphia area Catholic school accidentally went a bit farther. St. Anselm School sold fake roses 
with red thongs inside the park. <laughs> School leaders say they were unaware of the underwear in the flowers, calling this an unfortunate mistake. It is under review now by the parish and the school to figure out how it happened. <laughs> that what you're looking for. Can you imagine? I, I have to make this real. Can you imagine if your kids brought that home to give to Erica? Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, the only thing that would be better is if they brought it home to give to Grandma. Oh! Here you Happy go, Mother's Grandma. Day. Grandma pulls it out. What's this? You deserve this. Yep. It'd be all over. At least one person would have a heart attack. Oh, God. There you go. That is this week's collection of Clops Clips. Why did the cracker go to the hospital? Um, I don't know. Why? It was feeling crummy. That joke was horrible. Again, we're coming to the episode, the end of episode 89. The last episode you will do as a single man. This I don't is know if a, my thoughts. I'm, I'm a little concerned. I mean, when I come back, I mean, I might. Yeah. This is monumental. It could be different. I don't know. Something something could happen. I think uh, we were going to have uh, we were going to try to have Aowen on the show today, but uh, she's busy picking out desserts. I think she's she's working, man. She's working. Okay. She's always working. All I right. I almost feel bad because she works super hard, and obviously you and I do what we have to do. But some of the stuff she deals with, God bless yeah. her. I'll leave it at that. Right. So. Well. I do have a quick story before we go. My oldest oh, son uh, got braces or a spacer or whatever they're calling it these days. He's got braces on the forefront teeth um, to start that process. Ken, life has ended. Uh oh. Oh, yeah. No more popcorn. Oh. No more chewing on ice. Can't do it. Oh, that. man. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he told me. Uh, he said, Daddy, I, I I just I just can't eat. And I said, Well, one of two things is gonna happen. You're either gonna learn how to eat with braces, like every other yeah. kid who's had braces, yeah. or you're gonna be very thin. <laughs> what a, what a great, very realistic answer. Well, you're gonna be very thin. very thin. So oh, you're uh, classic, man. Yeah, he you uh, have braces as a child. Did you have to wear braces? Oh, yeah. No? Oh, God. Yes. Did you really? I, okay. Uh, I had them for like five years. Then I uh, had my retainer. Didn't wear it long enough. As if you have ever seen my bottom teeth, you can tell. And then I got hit in the mouth with a softball, which screwed up oh. my teeth. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, oh, geez. I, I use um, my situation as a motivator for my kids. So, yeah. Yep. Not as straight as I'd like him to be, but what yeah. are you going to do? I did not have the the uh, braces. My sister did. My brother and I did not. We had like, we had to do retainers and stuff like that. Yeah. Plus my wife yeah, braces it. are not easy. I, no. I, I definitely know. That. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's not happy. He, he was worried. He wouldn't, he, he said, I don't think I could play hockey. I might get hit in the mouth with a puck. I said, that's why you wear a helmet. Yep. So. And the mouth guard too. 
You have a yeah. mouth guard. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, life may have ended or at least uh, changed. And if he loses weight, we'll know why. You'll be all dipped or you'll just be thin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, God. It's great stuff. Hey, get it down to the brass tacks, baby. The brass tacks. Pretty much we it. Got, we, got, we got McDonald's. He likes the... Um, McChicken sandwiches. He said, Daddy, I need it cut up. I can't eat it any other way. I said, when we get home, I'll show you how to eat it. He said, okay. There you go. We got home. I said, take it into the side of your mouth and start there. Really? Yeah, that's how you do it. Guess what? It worked. It worked. Listen to me. But maybe he won't be that thin. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, special thanks to uh, Ben Marthy, our guest this week, the foodie, the musician. And a very good beer maker, I must say. I've had a few of his beers. And uh, looking forward to the show. Next show, we'll have yeah. uh, Lori Martinelli on. And Lori yeah. is part owner of a farm in Wellington that actually helps horses. And I don't want to get into too much about it. I want her to tell the story. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a very cool farm that you could visit. But she basically saves the lives of many different horses that are supposed to be killed. So. It'll be an awesome story. She's got a great story to talk about and different ways to go visit the farm. So that's coming up in two weeks. So awesome. Be cool. Awesome. Be cool. Well, uh, good luck with the wedding. Remember the two most important words. Yes, dear. Not yes, I dear. do. Everybody thinks it's I do. It's yes, dear. It's good advice. And, and as my, as my wise father told me to get along, Go along. Go along. There we go. There it is. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. Look forward to it. We'll give you an update to everybody and let you know how everything goes and all that. But uh, special thanks to all so many different people for uh, the thanks that I've received and text calls, messages, all that stuff. And it'll be great. And look forward to talking to everybody in two weeks. And Ted, just a reminder, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV. Custom audiovisual packages for all occasions. You're either going to learn how to eat with braces, like every other yeah. kid who's had braces, yeah. or you're going to be very thin. <laughs>